the uh, first quarterfinal is hours away. Brazil, Croatia. It's been two days with no football. I've been going through a bit of withdrawal, you know, itching, nausea. And uh, I can't wait for it to start up again. Brazil, Croatia. It seems like it's going to be an easy win for Brazil. Robert, you'll probably agree with that. Joe, I'm counting on you to tell us why Croatia is going to uh, upset the bookies and uh, and win this. Brazil is heavily favored. They look great against the Koreans. Joe, what do you think? Does Croatia even have a chance? Well, I think you always have a chance. Um, whether it's a good one or not is still to be uh, to unfold. Um, my only concern is is that Croatia takes control of the game from a possession perspective. If they can do that with their midfield that they have, I think they've got a shot. If it turns into a free-flowing game up and down the field, I don't think we've got what it takes to stop that four-headed monster that Brazil has. Um, and they're tough to beat when they're running and gunning. So my hope and expectation is the Modric, Kovacic, and Brozovic trio is going to take control of the game, dominate possession, keep the ball away from the dancing Macarena team known as Brazil, and keep the ball out of our net. That's my expectation. That's my hope. Whether that happens, I do not know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Robert, we've seen what can happen when Croatia's midfield has their way. As Canadian fans, let me tell you, Coach John Herdman would agree, you got to put at least three in the mid and, and try to offset them. Canada was overrun. It was embarrassing by the end. That midfield's so good. What's, uh, what's the plan to, to, to stop them? Are you going to play Casemiro Paqueta by themselves again? I think that'd be trouble. What do you, what do you think? That is the plan, believe it or not. Um, and uh, actually the one thing I think uh, most Brazilian pundits agree on is that um, Croatia's chance is if they take over in midfield and they oh. dictate the rhythm themselves. And uh, I think everyone in Brazil recognizes the quality. I think one thing, you know, Brazilians appreciate is, People who can pass the ball can treat the ball well, and uh, everyone sees that in the Croatian midfield. Um, but having said that, it, you know that's kind of what everyone says in passing while saying, you know, spending 99% of the program talking about. But you know, we're still we still expect to win, and we still expect to to do pretty well. But yeah, I, I see that as the challenge. Um, Casemiro and Paqueta have been really, really good in midfield. Casemiro's arguably Brazil's player of the tournament so far. Um, you know, Vini Jr. maybe uh, is, you know, the other candidate there. And certainly Richarlison with his goals is a standout. But Casemiro is, is the man. And um, he was absent in the last quarterfinal when we lost to Belgium. So Brazilians, I think that was the biggest worry, is is he going to make it to the quarterfinal? Is he going to get yellow cards? And with him there, even if it's Casemiro and Paqueta, there's a lot of confidence that uh, we won't let um, them dictate the rhythm. Um, and then the questions become, you know, if on top of uh, Croatia trying to dictate the rhythm, are they going to maybe add an extra person in midfield? Are they going to change the way they play a little bit? Because 
more often than not, teams do that when they play Brazil. They change things up a little to try and, uh, you know, compensate, get an advantage where they can. And, uh, yeah, it's all going to be about that midfield, whether it's a three versus two, whether it's a, a different uh, scheme being played or, you know, whatever it takes to, to win that battle. What I find it very intriguing about this matchup is the, I think, the matchup against Modric and Casemiro. Mm -hmm. Long-term teammates at Real yep. Madrid have played with one another on the pitch through training, on the pitch through La Liga, on the pitch through Champions League. And they've been through many, many battles together. And this will be interesting to see how they battle each other on the opposite sides of the field. I think Modric, albeit maybe half the size of Casemiro, um, and probably twice his age in terms of longevity and how many miles those little legs have run. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that matchup uh, happens in the game tomorrow. I think Modric has a next level, if you will. I don't know how he does it. Uh, I'm glad that he is so diminutive in stature. I think it's led him to last a lot longer in that midfield position. Not a lot of weight to carry for those little legs. But I think he's got an advantage on Casemiro. I think his ability to pass the ball, see the field, um, and spray the ball around and take position is going to give Casemiro a little bit of trouble in that midfield. And then with Kovacic and Brozovic in behind, I think Brozovic is also going to be a, a key factor because he's going to be the one that's going to drop into in front of Guardiola and Lovren as that almost defensive midfield to help with those guys defending those four forwards that Brazil's got. So he's going to be running all over the pitch, trying to stay within that triangle, that tight-knit triangle that Croatia plays, but also keeping an eye on the forwards and getting back when needed because once they get the ball and they go towards goal, it's tough to stop those guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that that's the marquee matchup um, for the Real Madrid connection, for how long they played together. I think last time I, I, you know, Kyle and I spoke was well before Casemiro made his move to Man United, and you know, if this were a, a summer World Cup, they'd be on the same team, you know. Uh, and uh, it's it's still crazy to think that, that Casemiro made that move. It's it's worked out, which is not surprising considering his quality. But uh, yeah, but for that, they would be teammates meeting in the quarterfinals, and uh, and then there's also you know Vini Jr. and Rodrigo who are not just teammates but practically uh, look up to Modric as, as a father figure, you yeah. know, and uh, but yeah, Casemiro is is the matchup in the middle. But to be fair, I think Brazil's uh, concern in the middle is more about not letting. Um, Croatia have the ball in the middle and less about whether we can get through the middle or not. I think a lot of what Brazil is going to want to do if they have the ball is, you know, stretch the field with the two wingers, Vinicius on the left, Ruffing on the right. And a lot of the time that ball, you know, it may come from Casemiro, but it also comes from Thiago Silva. It also comes from Marquinhos even further back. So, uh, there is a concern about spending a lot of energy trying to keep um, trying to press that midfield of Croatia to make sure they don't keep the ball. But um, yeah. that's going to be, I think, almost exclusively uh, uh, what they have to do because the distribution comes from a lot of places on the team as well. Yeah, one area that I am concerned about is our wingbacks and their ability to keep up with the speed of Brazil. 
um, Juranovic. No kidding. Um, Sosa, who's going to play. No kidding. Um, they're not the fastest <laughs> folks in the world. So no. to keep up with those folks, it's going to be no. tough. Um, where I do think we do have an advantage is with our center back, Guardiola. I think he's really Beast. come to the forefront of this tournament as maybe the best center back under the age of 20 <laughs> uh, and maybe under the age of 25. He has become a star. And I think uh, his time at, I believe it's Leipzig, um, will be short-lived. And he may be a teammates of Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo and the likes. So it's great to see him have a great tournament. I'm hoping he's going to do a couple crushing tackles on Neymar to get his uh, mindset off the game and kind of make him yeah. look twice or look, think twice uh, when trying to turn. Um, and that's going to be probably okay, now the way you stop. Now we're, getting into the, now we're getting into the real strategy. Um, this is what really needs to happen when you play Brazil. Someone's got to tackle Neymar hard, knock him over, and make him cry. I mean, the the best thing about uh, so Brazil's... You think, you... Sorry, Kyle. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Guardiola is scary. That mask, that beard. Like, what's behind that mask? Uh, it's frightening. He's a beast. And he's only, you said, 20 years old? Is that right? Yeah, he's somewhere between he's 19 and 21, in and around that yeah. age. And Kyle, to be honest, looks, better, it's 30. better that he has the mask on. Reason being, underneath, he's a baby face. And he looks more menacing with the beard and the black mask. And I think it adds to the legend that everybody has seen him grow in this tournament. So I thought I think it's part of the mystique, and he should keep it on for a while. Maybe he's, maybe he's wearing it for that reason. He's, he never had an injury. He's just uh, trying to strike fear. But... Uh, Robert, you were going to say that uh, that uh, Neymar will dance around him and, and make him look foolish. Well, well I mean, <laughs> the, the best thing about our second round matchup was that we didn't have to face a Uruguay, which un, you know undoubtedly would, oh. their approach would have been you know to tackle hard, to try to put our guys off their game. Um, South Korea, you know. One, whatever you think about whether or not they should have taken that approach, you know, I think they were always going to take an honest approach. Right. And, and like I said before, a lot of teams don't do that. They change against Brazil because they have to change. They feel like they need to do something. The other thing you can do besides, you know, changing your, your tactics is, is take a stronger approach, you know, tackle hard and throw people off their game. And I think, one thing everyone wondered before the World Cup is why in the world is Richarlison a starter? And this is one reason why he's a starter. Because whether you think he's good or not, it doesn't matter. You need a center forward to keep the attention of the two center backs. Otherwise, they can afford to come out and, and you know spend time on Neymar as much as they want. Um, so Richarlison's number one you know role, job on the team is not to you know score goals at you know, people didn't realize he could score. It's to, you know, it's not to, to put in, uh, you know, goal of the tournament candidates. It's to stretch the defense, just like Vinicius and Rafinha stretch defense on the sides. You know, Richarlison stretches the defense further back, keeps the, the center backs there. And in theory, that gives uh, Neymar space to work. Um Having said that, obviously at some point Neymar is going to come up against Guardiola and, you know, Richarlison is going to come up against Guardiola. And um, I think 
there there are two players in this tournament that you know are definitely upping their um, their price, their transfer uh, fee, and you know one of them is Gakpo for for the Netherlands, and the other one is Guardiol for Croatia. You know, a lot of people have been saying, a lot of pundits have been saying, well, nowadays, you know everyone at the World Cup. You know, no one's a mystery, no one's a breakout player. No one's going to be bought on the basis of a World Cup performance. But I think these two guys are are definitely, you know, going to be sold for a much higher price based on their World Cup performances. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think he's, you know, as, as a 20-year-old looking at this challenge, he's going to be up for it. He's going to want to let Neymar know he's it. there. Yeah. That just seems impossible. He's so composed, he's so calm, and he's so enormous. Yes. What is it about Croatia, Joe? I've always wanted to, to ask this. <laughs> well, so, so Kyle, this is, country, somewhat of a, this is somewhat of a sore spot for me because me and my brother, um, our parents come from the north, and in the north, the Croats seem to be far shorter than those along the coast. I don't know if it's Dal- the Dalmatian water or the weather or the beaches, but they tend to grow taller on the other side of the mountains than versus where me and my brother are from. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like Guardiola. And the great thing about him being so young and being so poised, as you mentioned, at center back is so important for a team because he can be there for 10 plus years. Um, he could be the you know, replacement of Sergio Ramos, who was there for such a long period of time. Just saying it could be a potential spot for him. But these folks that have been on these great teams have had stoppers and sweepers that have been there for a very long time, especially if they've been you know, very fortunate with injuries, not to get injured. They can be there for a very long time, unlike a forward or a winger, where they quite could be, you know, replaceable. Uh, but a center back that's good and reliable and young and smart, it's it's tough and very hard to find. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a rare gem. He's uh, he's an example of, uh, of of someone from a small country doing big things. Luka Modric must be from the mountains then, because he is tiny. Uh, <laughs> Yes, yes. Has, I, I think he has so. a, a I think... magical quality. He just seems to teleport around the field. Like he just disappears and reappears somewhere else, and you didn't quite know how he got there so fast. An amazing player. Do you think this is his last World Cup match if, uh, if Brazil have their way tomorrow? Is that. To be honest, Kyle, I thought Japan was his last World Cup match. When they had taken him and yeah. Kovacic out, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Because both those guys take have taken PKs um, and Modric yeah. takes PKs from for Real Madrid when Benzema is out. So I was quite surprised at that move against Japan. Um, thankfully it uh, panned out and they ended up being on the, the right side of that penalty shootout. Um, I do believe this is his last World Cup. He, I don't think there's any more that he can do for the country um, and for football. Mm-hmm. He's done so much for us as a small country, being a small person, playing in big games for against big countries. We can't ask for anything more from that little guy. He's done everything he possibly can. And if he goes out against Brazil tomorrow, um, I don't think there's anybody going to say that he didn't produce for the country and he didn't show up as Captain Croatia. He's always been that figure and he always will be in everyone's heart. Yeah. 
Yeah, well said. Well said, very likable player. Uh, Robert, what do you think is the key to to holding off this uh, this legendary player? I, I think your midfield could be in trouble. This could be a real back and forth, counterattacks. Maybe it's just shell shock from seeing Canada overrun. Uh, we didn't have a Casemiro, but but you think Paqueta? I, I don't trust Paqueta to do the job. I think uh, I, I, I think you're vulnerable to counterattacks. I trust Paqueta to do the job. I, I think the bigger concern is just the numbers, really, um, because if they're outnumbered three to two, um, then they're going to be spending way too much energy. And, and usually, what happens is Brazil makes other teams spend their energy. You know, and, and the Serbia game was a perfect example. You know, but the second half, we won 2-0, probably could have been more. And I think a lot of people in Brazil expect this game to be a little bit like that. They expect it to be close in the first half. Um, they look at Croatia, you know, always going to overtime. And they look at, you know, Modric being subbed out. And they think, okay, physically, we're going to win this game. We just, our players are just going to last longer. And even if we don't get an early start like we did against South Korea, you know, by the second half, we'll just overwhelm them and break through and it'll be 2-3-0, maybe more. And I think, yeah, it could play out like that. But uh, if that's what you're hoping for, you need Casemiro and Paqueta to go into the second half being the dominant ones and not the ones who have spent all their energy chasing the ball when three other guys are passing it around. So again, that, that seems to be what everyone sees as, as the, um, the solution for, for Croatia and the danger for Brazil. And I agree. I think one of the problems with this uh, world cup for Brazil is that, um, you know, I kind of predicted at the beginning that we would see different lineups for Brazil per game, Mm -hmm. depending on the opponent. I didn't predict that it would be because, you know, we lost two players injured in in the first match and then a third player in the second match. Um, And it's kind of, um, it seems like it's forced uh, Chichi into sticking to the Casemiro Paqueta midfield rather than changing things up. Uh, Another thing that's kind of uh, forced that at this point is um, the third match. We lost to Cameroon and just about every player on the field kind of got burnt by that match. Bruno Guimarães is the guy that everyone thought was going to come into the World Cup as a sub and in the World Cup as a starter in the midfield, and the midfield might be Casemiro, Bruno Guimarães, and Paqueta. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like Cleberson came in in 2002 to shore up the midfield and ended up being a key piece, everyone thought something like that might happen to Brazil. And he... He didn't even start against Cameroon. He was one of the subs, and he had one of the worst performances. And it seems like um, he's definitely not—he's not likely to get any starts in this World Cup. He may come in, he may redeem himself, he may play a good role off the bench. Um, but that means we're pretty locked in with our starting lineup. It's going to be the back four, you know, which right now has an improvised right back and Danilo, who's normally the right back on the left. It's going to be the front line of four guys, Neymar, Richarlison, Rafinha, and Vinny Jr. And, you know, Chichi trusts Casemiro and Paqueta to do the job in the middle. And that job, you know, it, it's not always them alone, but really with against Croatia, yeah, it's, it's a two-against-three two matchup. So um, it is a danger. I, I think Brazil's best... Um, 
not Brazil's best hope because obviously Brazil are the favorites, but Brazil's best scenario is an early goal, right? Because that is is what opens things up and makes uh, teams have to be honest against Brazil. And and um, but we'll see. I, I think it'll be Casemiro is just so amazing at, at anticipating where he's supposed to be. You know, in the same way that Modric, you know, has this amazing vision of of how to play the ball or where to play the ball and what his options are. Casemiro has an amazing vision of what his options are without the ball, or I guess what, you know, the opponent's options are and where to be to, to stop it. Um, and that goes back to what we said at the very beginning. These two guys know each other, right? So they know each other's qualities and they know how good they can be at countering maybe their own, you know, their own strong points. So uh, it's a very exciting matchup. I think, again, Brazil's going to be all about stretching the field. And Vinny Jr. and Rafinha, they do help the midfield, but not so much in numbers. They help in coming back and, and stopping the wide players from being a factor, but they don't pinch into the middle. Um, in that sense, maybe Danilo will be a key player because Danilo you know, is one of the guys on the, black, on the back line who goes up into the middle and stays alongside Casemiro. Um, so he's probably going to be the guy who... Is the extra number in the middle, and we'll see if that you know if that makes it three versus three, or if that's uh, you know if that's not enough to to make a difference. You know, <clears throat> who has the advantage here? So two players who know each other really well. One is an attacking player. One is a, is a defensive player. So who has the advantage in being able to read each other? I mean, is, is it Modric because he's uh, uh, able to uh, understand the tendencies of Casemiro defending, or does Casemiro have the advantage because he already has a defensive mindset and he's going to be able to negate Modric? Uh, I don't know. Does that even make sense as a question? Am I rambling, Joe? No, what, do you, it, what do you think? It makes sense. Yeah, I think where where they have an advantage, Kyle, is the fact that Modric has two other guys in behind him that gives him the flexibility to make runs and to play the one-twos. And they play such a tight-knit triangle, as I mentioned earlier, that they have the ability to work in unison. And what Robert brings up is the fact that if we are making them chase us in that middle and they don't adapt to that, and if that's the way of the first half in our, in our kind of I guess, them chasing us. I don't think Brazil's going to have the ability to make a good enough sub. Hear me out for a sec, because if, if we chase Brazil, we're done for, and we're going to be done for probably mid-half of the first half, Yeah. Uh, midway through the first half. If Brazil has to chase us and is doing most of the chasing, one of two things is going to happen. One, Casemiro and Paquette, they're going to get tired, and they're going to have to make a sub, which I don't think will happen. But the coach is going to have to make a tactical change and perhaps remove one of those four forwards to put in another midfielder, which will change the dynamic and dimension of how Brazil plays to offset the chasing that they're doing in the middle. That is the best case scenario for Croatia, is that we take over possession, make them chase us, so that way coach has to change the strategy and the um, player who they pull out um, so that way they can match up accordingly. Best case scenario, will it happen? I do not know. But 
you know, reverse of that, if we're chasing Brazil up and down the field, Modric, Kovacic, Brozovic, they're not going to last. We've got some young guys that we can sub in, but they're no, nowhere near as talented or experienced as those three guys. Um, so if we got a chance, we got to keep possession, make them chase, because if we're doing the chasing, it's over for us. And, and to your point about those two guys, I think um, my answer to your question, Kyle, is that maybe it's not so much whether Kazimuto and or Modric has the advantage. It's, you know, which one has the better options. You know, if, if Modric has enough options that Kazimuto can't cover all that ground, um, which in theory is exactly what, what Croatia wants with the three-man midfield, um, then, you know, he wins that duel, not because it's Kazimiru versus Modric, but because it's two versus three. And um, I think the problem of Brazil being locked into this lineup, again, we lost two left backs, right? Alexandru is back to training, but he's not expected to start tomorrow, which means our starting left back is our right back. And our starting right back is a center back because Dani Alves is not going to start. <laughs> he's 39 years old and he's not going to start. Um, <laughs> I wish so, you would. <laughs> I, I bet uh, a lot of teams uh, did. But um, that also means that, you know, when you talked about this option, Joe, of Brazil taking out one of the four forwards, that option is less attractive because, okay, Brazil doesn't rely on these fullbacks to go forward all the time. But if it were the natural right back and the natural left back, that would be that would happen more naturally, right? Yeah. Alexandru had a really good game against Serbia. You know, he, not just that amazing shot he hit off the post, but he was up, hmm. you know, close to the close to the box several times, helping to distribute the, the game. And so he could um, add to the midfield, but he could also occupy a space on the left in, in offense if we took out a forward, right? And Brazil's default starting lineup before the World Cup was Vinny Jr. on the bench in order to fit three midfielders and Neymar and Richarlison all on the team at the same time. Um, you don't want to bench Vinny Jr. the way he's playing right now. But then you have the issue of, you know, you have four forwards and Brazil plays a, Brazil basically still plays a 4-4-2. The same thing they've played for 30 years. Um, it's, you know, it's um, informed by the modern way of playing, and it looks like you know something much more modern when you're on offense. But on defense, it's a four-man back line with two guys in the middle of the midfield. And the two wide players, Vinny Jr. and Rafinha, are supposed to help um, avoid you know um, getting overrun on the flanks. Um, so who helps in the middle? Technically, Richarlison and Neymar are the guys who come back to press in the middle. And that's really um, the key to Brazil's success is getting the ball back quickly. So if Casimiro and Paqueta close someone down and Richarlison and Neymar are helping, Brazil's objective is recover the ball in five seconds, right? It's basically gegenpressing, pressing, it's counter pressing, whatever you want to call it. It's what Chichi has been doing with Brazil. And it's why some pundits look at Brazil and say they play like a club team. Um, because they are very organized and they are determined to get the ball back as quickly as possible once they lose it. And if they don't get it back within that five seconds, then this matchup will happen where Croatia have set up, they have three men in the middle, and they are trying to dictate the rhythm. If Brazil succeeds in pressuring early and they're not spending all the time running after the ball, 
it might be, you know, because of Richarlison or Neymar, and it's probably not going to be because of Neymar, not because he doesn't press, but because right now he's recovering from injury and technically still wearing something like a cast, which, you know, I don't know if everyone realized last match, but he was wearing a cast-like um, apparatus on his, um, around his ankle. So, yeah. Now, that, was that from the game or was that from the club? That was from the uh, first match, <laughs> the, the Serbia match. So where, where I do think we do have some ability to draw out a long, very hard-fought battle is that I don't feel that Brazil has a long-term discipline on defense, whereby if they don't get that ball within five seconds, as you mentioned, they tend to peter out. And they don't have that discipline like other teams do uh, because they've been up against maybe not so talented midfielders that can keep the ball away from them for long durations that they were able to do so based on speed and skill. But when they go up against a team that doesn't allow that to happen as frequently and as quick like Croatia may do, I think it's going to put Brazil in a very awkward position whereby they don't know what to do when they don't get it back fast enough. And I think the discipline on their end will come into effect and whether or not the guys on the outside, uh, I'm not too concerned about Richardson or Richardson up top because he's a pit bull and he runs for days. Where I would be concerned is Neymar. He's not known for a, his defensive capabilities or his discipline. Um, he does quick bursts to get the ball back and then gives up quite easily. Um, so I'd be worried if he gets kind of lost in the game if he's not getting the ball and he's not getting the ball back quick enough. Um, there may be a place where he turns into a black hole because he's being frustrated or getting frustrated based on the inability to get the ball back or even get the ball at his feet. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the that's the eternal concern with Neymar, right? When everything's going well with Brazil, Neymar is attracting attention and, you know, either he is, you know, dribbling through people or making the passes to people who, you know, are benefiting from all the attention being on Neymar. Um, but if Brazil is behind and Neymar is not doing things right, or if he's a little bit off the rhythm, then yeah, there are times when he can become a black hole. Yeah, he can, you, the ball kind of gets, he spends too much time with the ball and then, you know, chances are he'll get fouled, which sounds great if you have a good free kick taker, but you know, this is 2022, you know, you don't score on direct free kicks nowadays nearly as much as, you know, you might've 20, 30, 40 years ago. And if, so, if any of you guys are betting men, mm -hmm. I would bet on the over on fouls on Neymar for tomorrow's game. Just saying. Easily. I mean, that's, that's generally a good bet, but never mind in a World Cup quarterfinal where, you know, you have to yeah. uh, you have to have the ball because you don't want – because that's your strong point and you don't want to, uh, to chase after it instead. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess Chichi really did surprise everyone when he started the World Cup with Vini Jr. Um, on the left. Right. Everyone was wondering, is he going to do it? Is he not? Um, it would be amazing yeah. if he surprised us with some kind of a solution for the um, numbers in midfield tomorrow, but it's probably not going to happen. 
And if it does, it'll probably be a substitution, you know, after we look at things and say, okay, we, I guess we do need an extra man in midfield. Um, and yeah, if Neymar is not winning things quickly enough, I think I, most Brazilians don't see him as a, as that much of a defensive liability nowadays as we used to. I think people appreciate his tracking back, but you may be right that when he's frustrated, uh, he's going to give up on it a little more readily. Um, I think the discipline in defense you're talking about, though, Brazil sees themselves as having really good disciplined defense. The question is, does that still stand in a quarterfinal of a World Cup against a quality European side? Because, you know, Brazil is super optimistic right now. If you listen to the pundits, if you listen to most people, but for the last four years, the whole conversation around the World Cup was are we going to get to the quarterfinals and get knocked out by a European team again? Right? Are we going to... Which is... It's not even a fair conversation because Brazil just beat the two team, the two European teams that you know, knocked Portugal and, and uh, Italy into the, um, into the playoffs. Right? So Brazil beat two yeah. really good European teams in the, fir- in the first round in the group stage. But that conversation will, you know, at halftime, if Brazil's not winning, the the mood of the pundits is going to change. And, you know, people are suddenly going to be saying, is it going to happen again? Are we just, like, is this our wall now? Are we just not good enough to get past the quarterfinals anymore? Because every time we come up against a competitive European team, it's the end at this stage. Yeah. Well, that's and, what I'm hoping for, Robert. That's I know. What I'm hoping for, right? and, and and most people most people aren't talking about that right now. I'm you know I'm saying they were talking about that you know after Belgium knocked us out, they were talking about that after we won Copa America, and they were like, yeah, but you know this could still happen again. They were talking about that throughout the World Cup qualifiers, and they were talking about that when we lost the next Copa America to Argentina. You know, we said, well, we outplayed them and everyone and the pundits were like, yeah, but when it comes to the World Cup, what does it matter if you outplay someone and you get knocked out in the quarterfinals by a European team? Because, you know, some lack of discipline, which is what happened in 2010 and uh, um, or because of, you know, someone gets a yellow card and they're not there to fill in, which is what happened in 2014 and 2018. Um, You know, so so the mental. um, strength of this Brazilian team, the resilience of this Brazilian team is it might not be they're not actively questioning it right now in the media but it's always an issue. It's always something that the second Brazil gets scored on first is going to be an issue. Maybe that's one of the funniest things about the Cameroon match. We lost but we gave up a goal in the 91st minute. Um, if it had been in the a fluke goal in the first minute people would be talking about Brazil's mental resilience and whether or not they broke down after giving up a goal because it happened in the 91st minute. There's no time to even think about that. Tomorrow, if Croatia scores first, that's going to be what everyone wants to see. Is Brazil capable of coming back or is the story going to repeat itself? And then of course, you know, the plan is probably 
to get an early goal or to get early domination so that we don't even have to worry about that. Um, because if we succeed in stretching out the game, if we succeed in distributing the ball from Thiago Silva and Marquinhos directly to Rafinha, Vini Jr., and those two guys switch the field, you know, and Neymar has space in the middle, then, you know, we don't have to worry about whether Brazil's going to fall at this, uh, at this stage again. Yeah, Robert, I think we're going to know very quickly as to whose strategy is going to take over the game. Um, If it's Brazil, we know it's going to be a long day for Croatia. If it's Croatia, we know it's going to be a long day for Brazil. And how long does it take them for that discipline to waver and start to do things outside of their strategy? And that's what, like you mentioned, typically happens with Brazil when they come up against a very structured discipline formation that they can't get past or get through or score. Then they start to lose that identity that got them to that point and they start to waver and have difficulties breaking that. Um, I'm hoping Croatia will be that tomorrow. I do not know. But I, I, I think will we, say we have, we, like we have a kind of a X factor on our team that I think we haven't mentioned yet. And that's our left winger Petasic. And I think he's going to be an important attribute to our attack because of Danilo not being the right back that they, you know, should be on the left, being in a, in a position that he's not too comfortable with. But these guys are professionals, so it's yep. not going to be too bothersome. But it may be just enough that Petasic can get by or get the step on him if he's not positioned properly or accustomed to, and that he gets that break that we need. That would be an ideal scenario for us, is that X factor on the left, because I don't believe our right side is as effective or strong. But Petrushic coming down the left, he's going to be our X factor. And if he could you know, put in the proper service to Kramaric, who has been very much underrated because he's a great forward, he just doesn't get the service or the balls that he typically gets as he does at club. It's just that's not how Croatia plays. But he showed against Canada that if he gets the ball in the right spot, he's able to finish quite clinically. So if Petisic and him could do something very quickly, unbeknownst to the Brazilian you know, back, I think we may have a chance to surprise Brazil um, when we make something out of nothing. So X factor for us, I believe, is Petisic on the left. Um, and that's what I'm banking on. Robert, who do you think will be the X factor for you guys tomorrow? I'm hoping it'll be Hafinha, um, and that's because, you know, he's he's actually he played really well against uh, Korea, but he didn't score. Uh, and in the opening match, um, he actually played well, but but his the opportunities he missed, you know, showed that he was really nervous. So you know, in these, mm-hmm. well, he's played three of the four matches, uh, and he hasn't scored. He gets a lot of flack for, you know, not being. Um, a big goal scorer yet for, for Barcelona after the transfer for not really having lived up to the hype yet. Um, But with his performance against Korea, with the fact that, you know, you're talking about Perisic um, and I mentioned that Brazil's strategy with the, with Vini Jr. and Rafinha, you know, they're supposed to help the flanks, but the number, the number one way they help the flanks is by, you know, keeping people honest. So Rafinha is going to spend most of his day on the, you know, hugging the touchline on the right. And if Croatia has, you know, a flat line of four defenders, 
Um, and he plays as he did against uh, Korea, he could have a really good night. And if he scores, um, that'll do you know, wonders for his confidence. Uh, I, I expect if he scores, he'll get one or two you know, in quick succession after that. He kind of does that for Brazil. Usually he, he's probably got more braces than he does uh, matches where he has single goals. Um, and yeah, he has both this role of keeping the wide players honest for the opponents, but also of providing um, providing individual brilliance on our attack. If he can get isolated one-on-one on the right, uh, things will go really well. And you could say the same about Vinny Jr., but Vinny Jr. is already playing well. Everyone knows, uh, you know, everyone's going to be focused on that side because there's Vinny Jr., there's Neymar on that side. So Rafinha really needs to continue to step up. I'm not saying he hasn't stepped up yet, but, you know, he needs to build on that performance he had against Korea. Not only by having the same good performance, maybe even better, but probably by scoring a goal. If Rafinha gets a goal tomorrow, I think it's a sign that everything's going well for Brazil, you know, and he could be the key to to opening things up. Um, Again, we talked about, you talked about a disciplined defense for Brazil. Same thing needs to be true for Croatia. You know, they can't cheat and spend too much time on the left or, or put too many people on the left because Rafinha will punish you. And he may be flying under people's radar right now because he hasn't scored yet because he had a nervous first match. But you can tell that he's, he's you know, he's getting there. And uh, the way Brazil played in, in the three good matches so far reminds me a lot of Brazil in the qualifiers and building the confidence, you know, with starting with games where they didn't score in the first half, but eventually they, they did enough in the second half to make people feel like, okay, we won and we should have scored more. Or against Switzerland, okay, it was only 1-0, but it could have been more. Um, and recognizing, you know, that the opponent had to change for us and the opponent made a really big effort to, to not get scored on. And then then comes the Korea match where everything happens in the first half. Um, it, it feels a little bit like the qualifiers, like the team is getting into a rhythm. And I think the next step for that offensive rhythm to, to you know, Take, to get to the next level is for Rafinha to start scoring goals. I think he's our X factor, at least on offense. Um, I think all the other potential X factors or standouts are things we've already talked about. You know, Casemiro's performance, Vinny and Neymar, those are the stars on the offense. Richarlison, you know, I, I he's not really an X factor, in my opinion. He's he's going to do his job, and yeah, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. And but I'm not. I'm not counting on him to, you know, score another volley or score another, you know, beautiful uh, goal like he did against Korea. If he does, great. If he doesn't, he's still going to do his job in the middle there. I think it's Rafinha, the one who has to do something different in this match for Brazil to feel like everything is, is yeah. moving forward and up to the next level. Now, go ahead, he's Kyle. Up against, uh, Borne, he's up against Borna Berezic, um who is not the fastest player. Um, Joe, what do you think of these left-back options? Is Sosa going to play? Is it going to be Berezic? Sosa is going to play. weird that... Yeah, Sosa will play on the left. He is far better um, at that position. I find him much more disciplined on defense. 
picks the right spots to go and attack, has decent level of service. So I think if if he plays honest and he stays disciplined, I think he can keep Rafinha in front of him and not let him get behind him. Um, I mentioned X-Factor in a positive way. Um, we also have an X-Factor in a negative fashion, and that's Dejan Lovren. He is our Harry Maguire, the gaff machine, and will make a mistake in the worst possible time. I'm not confident with him. He's actually had a decent tournament, but he's made some bad passes. He's had a great tournament. For him, yes, but it's going to happen. And I just hope that it doesn't happen in a way that puts us in a bad spot because I'm just waiting for, you know, him to slip, him to pass the ball to somebody else, him to get beat easily. He's a guy that I am not convinced of. I wish Vida was like five years younger. So that way he'd be able to partner with Guardiola. But he's a little long in the tooth. He can't hang anymore. Um, and that's an unfortunate uh, thing for us because Lovren is our next best, which is subpar, if anything. But like I said, Kyle, he hasn't played a bad tournament. He's actually played decent, but he's a gaff machine. And it's unfortunate that it's going to happen. I just hope it doesn't be to the detriment of us losing. Is there anybody that you'd be worried about on your team? Honestly, um, I think Eder Militon is a great defender, but the worry there is, you know, as we go deeper into the tournament and he's filling in it right back, um, is he going to be taken advantage of? Um, there are some other weird things like, uh, again, Brazil is super optimistic right now, but if you, if I go back to how people were talking before the world cup or during qualifiers, you know, you watch Thiago Silva occasionally give up a weird penalty where he, cause he's playing volleyball instead of soccer, you know, there, there are probably people out there who's still waiting for Thiago Silva to do something like that, you know, and, and one of the issues with, Croatia potentially is the service into the box, you know, if they can get good crosses in. And that certainly ups the chance of something weird like that happening. Um, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos are just, you know, arguably the best defenders in the World Cup with the ball at their feet, you know. Now, and that being said, how comfortable are you with Allison with the ball at his feet? Because he has a tendency to make some interesting passes mm-hmm. at inopportune times, especially under pressure. Yeah, he shouldn't spend too much time with the ball at his feet. I mean, he's I think he's fine at his level. You know, he's not the standout um, goalkeeper um, with his feet, but he's good. Um, but, you know, good at that level is still enough for people to press you and put you under pressure and for something weird to happen. Um, Allison is there because he's the best shot stopper we have. If we wanted someone who was good with his feet, we'd start Edison. If we wanted the in-between guy, we'd start Weverton. Um, Allison's there because he's the number one shot stopper. He's not bad with his feet, and I don't think it's going to be an issue. But you're right that, you know, if you succeed in pressing him, yeah, there are instances where he has made weird decisions or made bad passes. Um that's happened more to our opponents than it has to us in this World Cup, but it's, uh, it's definitely happened to us a couple times where, you know, pressure from the opponents has uh, 
has led to a, a poor pass out of the back. Um, up front, I, I don't have any concerns. I, you know, are those four forwards plus Paqueta make a five-man line, and that's really good because we, you know, that means we have one extra person compared to a four-man back line. That's one of the reasons why, you know, besides Brazil being Brazil, other teams kind of have to change sometimes to defend against them. You need to pull someone back. Um, I expect, um, you know, you're talking about Lovren, the same way that you see him as a negative, um, that's good for our our front line because I don't see any of our front line as a negative, right? So if, if everyone matches up well and then you guys have one um, weak point in the back, then hopefully all of our guys are on their day and whoever it is that's matched up against the weak point has the, you know, takes advantage of that. Um, I, I think Eder Militon, not that he's a bad player, but simply because he's improvised and the two versus three in midfield are the two uh, potential negatives that we have. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not too concerned about Allison with the ball at his feet, like I said, but only because, you know, He's good enough at that level. That's not to say that you know not, that he's going to be perfect or that nothing could happen there. Um, Tiago Silva and Marquinhos, they're really good in the air. The only thing I could see is if you don't face that often enough or if you face too much of it against one team, eventually they can break through, um, even if you are good in the air. Um, Danilo on the left, I think to me, is less of a negative than Eder Militão on the right. Uh, a lot of people like Eder Militão on the right uh, because of uh, because he's stable, he's a good central defender, and because he's played that position before. But one of the things that happens there is that um, there's too much space between him and Rafinha. So if he does move forward, that also leaves a lot of space behind Eder Militão that he doesn't have the experience necessarily mm -hmm. to cover. Um, so I expect him to, yeah, I expect him to stay back because of that, which could be to the detriment of Rafinha, you know, if Rafinha is completely isolated. But if the ball is getting to Rafinha, if Edward Militon doesn't have to push up to to kind of help the ball get to him, um, that's great. If Edward Militon feels like he has to start pushing up, that space opens up behind him, that could be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming up on an hour. I can't wait for game day. I just want to go to bed and uh, take a sedative <laughs> and wake up. Yeah. Uh, 7 a.m. California time, 10 a.m. Eastern, Brazil, Croatia. Uh, what's your pregame ritual, uh, Robert? Do you have any, any rituals? Any, uh, no, I just uh, make sure my... or blessings or... <laughs> I just make sure my jersey is ready. That uh, nothing is uh, nothing's bothering me if I'm watching at home. That everything is you know quiet and I can devote my attention 100% to the match. I remember uh, 20 years ago when we won, and I was much younger. Um, I had just moved to Washington D.C. Um, and I got a job that was would start on July 1st. Um, if you remember, the World Cup ended on June 30th that year. So I, I yeah. got to spend yeah. the whole World Cup going to matches at bars at 2.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, because that was the, you know, the Japan and Korea World Cup. But uh, now yeah. these days yeah. I watch at home, and even, even the early games, uh, you know, the, the, the only difficulty is making sure you're up for them. And uh, 
as soon as I'm up, I'm ready for the match, and the jersey's on, and I'll probably have some Brazilian uh, uh, broadcast to follow alongside uh, the TV broadcast because it's just too nostalgic. You know, you need that kind of uh, real of World Cup feeling, feeling, you know, from back home. Yeah, that was that was one of the How best parts of my uh, Thanksgiving vacation. I got to have a lot of uh, Brazilian TV back in Florida. Now, what's great about having games at 10 o'clock, I don't know if it's a great thing, but it's been awesome, that 10 o'clock games, I've got my Croatian traditional meals already prepped, having Cevape and Liepenje with Ivor. I crack open my Karlovačko Pivo. My wife looks at me like I'm crazy, but I say, hey, it's the World Cup. You can't complain. <laughs> and uh, put on my jersey, and I'm ready to go. I'm just making sure that the Internet is working. Nothing fails, so they don't have to run to some pub down the street and watch it there. So my uh, my wife won't be here. She's out of the house because she doesn't want to be around me when the game's on, which is fantastic. <laughs> I just want to watch it in peace. I don't want to watch with anybody who doesn't know anything about soccer because that's just miserable. Yeah. Um, I'd rather so yell with my dogs there because they know nothing and they care less. What do those lines mean? No, the... Uh... The, the tradition so important and I'm finding more and more people want to be alone they don't want to they don't want people to see their reactions they don't want to see them cry or swear or, or kick things uh, you know my, my English friend called it Tourette's the, the, the football Tourette's well <laughs> and Kyle it's not only that it's it's going to a place and watching it by yourself even or even with some friends and then having people there that are watching that know nothing about it, that complain, that make stupid comments, that just ruin it for you, right? I'd rather watch it by myself, where in peace and quiet, versus in a room full of idiots that are just making the experience miserable for me. So it's either with my friends who play football, or it's by myself where I can enjoy in peace. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be a great match. Enjoy, both of you. I'm going to check in afterwards, and um, we'll have a we'll have a post match maybe. But um, you know, any, before you guys go, any quick uh, predictions on yeah. the other three games? Argentina, Netherlands. I mean, I Argentina. I Argentina, Brazil would be an amazing semifinal, right? But. That it would be. Yeah, watching to, watching Louis to. Van Gaal outsmart uh, Scaloni and, and Messi um, should not be a surprise. It would not surprise me if Holland, if the Netherlands uh, win that match. Um, if Argentina wins it, it's all about Messi. It's whether he you know shows up for the big one um, and whether he can push the mm -hmm. team on his own. Um, I would Does love England to have enough? Does England have enough to get past France? Yes. yes. I think so. I would love to see Fairly. a high-scoring game, though. I would love to see, I don't know, both of the teams break through and it just becomes a 3-2 or a 4-3. Such an unlikely score, but they, but they both have so much quality. And uh, I think yeah. England can do it. Yeah, you, I you would, can't stop Mbappe. Yeah, I would, I would put my money on France, but I could see England uh, making it through. Well, if you double-team Mbappe, you leave, you know... Dembele on the opposite side, one-on-one -on -one with the defender. And to be honest, the second fastest person to Mbappe might be Dembele. 
mm-hmm. and he's got the talent to take guys on. So England's in for a tough battle. Now, my favorite game and most intriguing game, Portugal-Morocco. Yep. Yeah. Morocco are spectacular. So, so disciplined. I want to see them make it through. I would love to see, yes. you know, an African team get to the semis for the first time. But not only that, Morocco are, you know, one of the ones who have been there from the earliest. They're one of the, you know, earliest African teams to make an impact on the World Cup. Um, they're one of the earliest uh, African teams to, or African countries, sorry, to make, you know, quality bids for the World Cup. And it would be pretty meaningful for them to be the first African semifinalist. I would love to see them make it. Agreed. And Kyle, you made a comment at the top of the uh, podcast in which by Canada got smoked by Croatia. And I think Canada got a bad rap because I do believe they were in the group of death. Morocco, top 20. Croatia, top 20. Belgium, number two in the world. I mean, Canada, they were in a tough spot. And they played against three awesome teams. Had they beat Belgium in that first game, things may have been different. But they were in a tough group. Everyone agrees. Again, I was I was in Florida during Thanksgiving watching all the Brazilian TV, and everyone in Brazil was like, yeah, Belgium won, but Canada was the better team. What's that all about? You know, I think a lot of Brazilians were surprised. Um, and it's the only group that has two teams in the quarters, right? They knocked out the both of their opponents from uh, the Spain and Germany mm-hmm. group. Germany didn't make it through. Spain and Japan did, um, which... You know, not to brag, but I, I'm not surprised Japan made it. I predicted Japan would get out of the group. I just didn't predict that combination of results, mm-hmm. you know, losing to Costa Rica and beating the other two. Man, that was a tough game. But, but now guys... they're both out. They are both lost They both lost to Canada's group. They both lost to Croatia and uh, Morocco. So the only, t- the only group with two teams in the quarters. Good point. Well, it's going to be a Good fun point. weekend, no, boys. Uh, very, it's going yeah. to be a great weekend. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you get to watch all the games and enjoy the hell out of them. Thanks so much for uh, for joining on the on the podcast. This has been a really uh, insightful, measured, intelligent chat. Much different from what we usually do here. And uh, I think we got to have you guys on as regular pundits. Joe, enjoy and and. Uh, Enjoy the experience. Playing Brazil in the World Cup is just an experience in itself. You know, it's just such a legendary shirt, such a legendary name. They are the best. And and Croatia can exit, if they do exit, with their heads held high. You've actually convinced me that they have a real fighting chance tonight. I might change my prediction. Uh, This might go to penalties. There's always a fighting chance. There's always a fighting chance. It may not be, you know, a good chance. But there is a puncher's chance. The longer the game goes 0-0, the better the chance we have to win. Put it that way. And it's just such a weird thing that, that, you know, everyone points out that Croatia is an old team. But they are the team that takes the match to overtime and still gets through. So, yeah, Brazil will want to, you know, not have to wait long to find out. They'll, They'll want to make things work early. Winners, we'll and see tomorrow, guys. We'll see. Everybody have a great night. Argentina final. It's going to be great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Here's everyone. Take care.